not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Leaning Middle. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the election so far. We're a few days into early voting. And while the tides seem to be in Biden's favor, there's definitely some some ways that Trump can uh, pull off the upset. And we're looking forward to taking a look at that today. My name is Eric. And I'm Brian. And again, this is Leaning Middle. So um, let's jump into it. Um, cool. I personally, uh, I, wait, hold on. Before we go too much further, there is one thing I think we ought to address real quick because it was brought up to me. Uh, if you're hearing different sounds of our voices, uh, we are trying to address technical developments as we, we, uh, develop the podcast. So, uh, hang in there with us while we get the, the sounds worked out and the mics worked out and all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Might be, you know, we're slowly getting more consistent week to week, but it's a learning process for everybody, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, cool. So what are your thoughts on uh, we've, we're seeing record breaking numbers when it gets to the polls, but uh, I've got some concerns about that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't know what that means. Number one, but number two, um, it, that might mean a lower turnout at the end of the, the day, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, I think that is um, a lot of Democrats are sounding the alarm right now because that first day turnout, um, you know, majority of the states, you could start voting um, this Tuesday. And the majority of turnout was overwhelmingly in support of Biden. He received about 70 percent of the votes that have come in so far. And um, they're starting to count mail-in ballots as well to where you look at states like Florida and uh, Democrats have returned uh, 40% more mail-in ballots than Republicans so far. So um, it's clear that in terms of early voting, the turnout has been significantly in favor of Biden, but obviously um, the Democratic establishment is making sure that nobody kind of takes that for granted. I think everybody remembers that at this exact time in 2016, the polls were exactly the same and Trump was just as unexpected to win and he, he pulled it off fairly easily. So it's not that the Democrats are out of the woods yet, even turnout seems to be in their favor. So I guess one of my questions is, what was it about the 2016 that really turned, as you were mentioning in our podcast um, thread on our text messages, the October surprise. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What, what was it that he did? Because, I've, you know, I, I voted for Trump in 2016. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it was one of those where I really, I was looking at it from a different standpoint. And, and man, um, you know, that standpoint was, he's, he's a businessman, he's going to be able to uh, look at this and run this like a business. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to be able to drain the swamp and um, those types of things. I, now, I wasn't yeah. on board with everything he was saying. But, yeah, of course, you know, of I course. Think, I think part of the, the thing with me in 2016 was 
I was just so dang frustrated with the way that Washington was heading. And, and I was so frustrated with what was coming out of there or what wasn't coming out of there. And I just I wanted agree, to shake yeah. things up. I think that's how a lot of people felt is, you know, when Barack Obama and kind of the uh, he was, you know, had his two terms, but it was clear that the nation, the pendulum was swinging back a little bit when the, uh, the GOP retook the Senate and the House for a little bit as well underneath Obama. And, um, you know, just typically, I think a lot of people were frustrated that um, it, it was pretty clear that Hillary was going to be the nominee, you know, from like 2012 on. It was obviously Bernie kind of stepped in and shook things up a decent amount. And there was also, you know, some level of potential conspiring within the DNC to actually have um, Hillary end up being on top. Whereas I think, you know, there might have been a little jostling here and there, but there was no actual widespread fraud. But I think people were just a little annoyed that they were getting another person who has seemingly been groomed for decades for this exact role. And then when somebody who was outside of the establishment, like Sanders stepped in and actually shook things up and how that was kind of quashed and pushed and Hillary was pushed forward. I think it created a lot of doubt in um, the Democrats who just kind of saw like, huh, you know, this is uh, this is just more of the same. This is more of the status quo. And especially for moderates, they saw, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather try to change something up because by the end of Obama's second term, he was becoming really inconsistent and ineffective. And part of that was not having control of Congress. But you get to a certain point, like you said, you know, you get frustrated when things aren't happening and you you want to change. You want that. You want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And I think a lot of people saw Trump's rhetoric and they're like, well, I mean, that's not great, but it's worth a shot. You know, it's, it's worth giving an, a Washington outsider an opportunity and, and see if, you know, the company can be run like a business. So I get where the mindset was in 2016, but in terms of the October surprise, um, you know, Trump really didn't coordinate the October surprise in 2016, which is funny. It just happened. It was, yeah. It was, you know, it was Comey making the decision to reopen the investigation into Hillary's emails just a few days before the election. And that was a major talking point for the Trump administration throughout his entire primary and presidential campaign um, was bringing attention to Benghazi and then the specific emails that could have been trying tried to be deleted to cover things up. And then to have, you know, the government where Obama was still in power, then open up an investigation. It was kind of, you know, that final blow for a lot of people who are on the fence and trying to give Hillary the benefit of the doubt. It was just like, OK, you know, clearly something's going on here that we're not aware of. And I don't feel safe, you know, giving her so, the opportunity. Yeah. And I guess one of the things I look at is you know, having said, said all of that and, and kind of leading in the direction we were going, one of the things that I'm kind of feeling like right now is that a lot of the voter turnout is a lot of the people that, that may have voted for Trump, or maybe they didn't engage in the voting process last year because yeah, they, they were on the fence or they thought it was in the bag or, um, you know, kind of whatnot. So I'm wondering if we're seeing a swing back to these record-breaking early voting numbers just based off of the result of what ended up happening and not just the result of what happening, but the consequences of that result happening. I I think you nailed it is what it is, is it's not so much the 
the fact that there wasn't, you know, voting or early voting in um, 2016, it's just now that I think more people than ever before with both uh, the pandemic and a global health crisis taking place, as well as just incredibly high levels of racial tension um, in the country is people now feel that there's going to be more of a direct effect in their lives. You know, I know a lot of voters, you know, the one major reason people don't vote is they say, I mean, it's not going to affect me either way. You know, it's not going to be a difference. All politicians are the same. And I think for the first time um, in a lot of people's lives, they're seeing like, okay, you know, this is actually going to have real lasting impacts on myself and the country. And uh, I think, you know, the early voting turnout more than anything is a widespread condemnation of the direction that the country is heading. But it does, you know, bring up the point of how many of these people who voted, you know, in early voting so far are, you know, the hardcore uh, supporters on either side who just want to get out there and vote immediately. We don't know if they were first time voters yet. We don't know if there was like a swing in terms of what the turnout numbers look like. So it, it is. There's a lot of motivation right now and there's a lot of excitement. You know, I'm I'm in a bunch of different Facebook groups. Um for different politics just around the state and country. And I mean, specifically, I'm in both uh, Republican and uh, Democrat groups. And I mean, it is it is actually kind of unbelievable what's taking place in these Democratic groups are people are, you know, every two, three minutes, somebody's posting a selfie that they voted. And within a couple of seconds, like it has hundreds of likes and comments of people just thanking them for voting and like encouraging. And it's it's interesting to see that the Democratic kind of organizations seem to be working a lot harder on the get out to vote effort than what I'm seeing on the Republican side. So it, it'll be an well, interesting indicator to see if those that kind of collective feeling in the Democrats can ultimately um, succeed as it where it failed in 2016 with the divide between Sanders and Hillary causing a lot of that uh, chaos in the election. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering, it, it's, interesting that you say that about the excitement in the Democratic Party, because when we were going through the primaries, uh, I felt like all the excitement was with the other um, candidates, with Pete and yeah. with Amy and uh, with, with everybody else. And, and really, I mean, that's where Trump came in with his whole Sleepy Joe um, persona. And I, one of the concerns I had coming out of those those primaries was man, is he really going to be able to rally the Democratic Party? And, and you and I have really talked about that in depth, Absolutely. And, and which was the concern of the energy. And yeah. was he going to be able to keep it up? But man, what I'm seeing right now, just in, in mainstream media and Twitter and, and everything else is he's, he's rocking and rolling. And they granted, came together so well as a coalition to support him. I'll tell you what, I, you know, I was really impressed the other day. It, I was flipping through my, my Twitter account and I saw a communication between Pete and Amy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it really spoke to me that it was more like these guys were friends and it was like we're coming together for a cause. Yeah. And it's not about the debate and the ugly things that were said and how we attacked each other and everything else. It's like, okay, that's all past us. Now we have to work together for the country. 
that's what I'm getting from the Democratic side a little bit more than I'm getting from the GOP side, which is we need to work together for the country, come all together for the country. Um, and, and the GOP I'm, I'm side is seeing that. It's, it's fractured. You know, you bring up a really good point where there's there's some fracturing in the Democratic Party. Obviously, you know, there's a there's a very progressive Definitely. side that once um that once you know more democratic socialist um policies implemented but that being said um you know the major fear that that party you know that side of the party wouldn't turn out to vote um in 2020 kind of similar to what happened in 2016 because they were upset with the primary results that's not really happening this time around even you know the far left progressives now are saying like, yeah, you know, obviously this is not what we want, but this is a step in the right direction. Whereas if you right. see on the Republican side, there's, you know, Trumpers and then there's people who are now breaking ranks and saying like, listen, I'm a Republican, but I can't support this, you know, individual based off of my personal morals or principles or, you know, whatever their belief might be. So there seems to be a lot more of a breakdown in the GOP than there is in the Democratic Party at the moment. Right. Well, but at the same time, you know, I look at what the GOPs are, are what they're trying to do and what what Trump's trying to do right now, which is he's trying to get aid to the Corona uh, virus relief. Uh, you know, I think it was like one point eight trillion is the, the last one on there. But the Democrats yeah. are holding it up. And, I, you know, those Democrats or the, the Republicans, they're in a tough situation because they're. There's so much energy flowing from the other side. And, and here's the part that, that really is, is hard to swallow if you're a Republican or if you're, you're in the GOP right now, which is how much of this was brought on by the GOP and the pendulum swings and, and everything else? And how much of this was brought on by Trump? Exactly. And I think that's where a lot I, of people are scared. <laughs> I think right now what you're seeing is a lot of anger, like anger incites enthusiasm and incites passion It incites uh, movements. Yes. And I, I think what you're seeing is a lot of anger in these um, racially driven protests and, and uh, you know, the removing of statues and, and everything else. And I think the GOP, number one, I think they're kind of caught off guard by all of that. I yeah. don't think they were ready to have that conversation, not to say they didn't want to have that conversation, but I don't think they were, they were ready for it. And especially not at that, that level, um, because that, that level, I think caught everybody off guard, even, even some democratic um, uh, leaders, I, I would say that the, how fast that whole movement ignited really probably caught caught them off guard as well but uh -huh. i think the democrats did a better job of capitalizing on that than than the the republicans and part of that is i think the republicans are still reeling from they they have not been really on the offensive this whole last two or three months exactly exactly you, i mean you hit the nail on the head in terms of where the anger comes from. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about is, you know, on the left, there was a ton of anger for a multitude of different reasons, but they were able to channel that anger into clear action. And they didn't fall into the trap that I think will, will you know, if the conservative, if the Republicans lose the election, I think the ultimate reason why they did so 
is because they didn't have that anger and then channel it into a call for unity and a call for action. You know, they took that anger and they tried to really use the anger and the fear dynamic rather than the call for unity. And I think a lot of people are fed up, you know, where they can say, Donald Trump can come out and say that he didn't talk about the pandemic earlier because he didn't want to create panic. But then you listen to his campaign speeches and he's telling directly addressing white suburban women saying that, you know, inner city folk are going to move into the suburbs and destroy their uh, destroy their way of life. Or he's saying that, you know, Mexico is only sending rapists and horrible people to the country. So it's just a problem where it's like, yeah, you can say that you didn't want to incite fear and that's why you lied. But if you look at the Republican playbook, especially this election cycle, it's all it's fear based. You know, it's trying to use fear to create anger, to create action, whereas the Democrats are trying to take the anger that already exists and instead channel it into unity, which is proving to be effective so far, which I think is surprising some people. Right. So one of the things that you and I were talking about just a few minutes ago was the um, the momentum of the early voting is predominantly on the Democratic side. Yeah, it's all the numbers are showing that Mm -hmm. here's here's where I think you're going to see things balance out. And and here's just my kind of overall view of what's happening right now and why (laughs) I'm, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon right now of, Hey, this is going to be a runaway steal for, for Biden. Yeah. I I think you have the passion, the excitement and the emotions that have been running very thick and rampant through um, through the, the progressive and liberal side for the last couple months is driving a lot of rush to get out there and get voted right now. Yeah. Part of that is Trump's own doing where yeah. he completely talked about how this is going to be a, a screwed up election and, and there's going to be um, fraud and, and everything else. And I think you're seeing a lot of these people go, Oh hell no, we're, we're going to get out there and do this. That's but the major here's where thing. I think, um, real quick, just to say it is sure. if, um, if Biden can win, and come out on election night as, as the victor, it's over. You know, that's the only that if he wins on election night, which is rare, I, I, I doubt that'll happen. But if he does have the turnout to hit 270, um, then there's really no way they can contest the election. You know, they're really relying right. on the mail-in ballots um, to potentially, you know, a situation where Trump wins on election night and they try to disqualify ballots that haven't been counted things like that so it is the dynamic of people saying like we're not even going to give him that chance you know a lot of people who were planning on mail-in voting just said screw it you know i'm going to get out there and vote early and you know risk putting myself in harm's way just because they feel that passionately about getting you know their vote counted right and and Rightfully so. I mean, we should all be exercising our right in early voting just to just to make sure. I mean, there's a lot of times where I intend to do things on on a certain day and things happen in life and you just don't get there. I I remember uh, one election I was totally planning on going and voting on Election Day. I ended up getting strep throat. Yeah, go. Exactly. You know, 
I didn't, I couldn't help it, but so, okay. So I'm about to go off on, on something here because here's where, here's where I think we're, we're missing the boat just a little bit. I think, you, you know, one of the things is I think the Republicans are a little slower getting to the, the ballots because uh-huh. I think there's two things going on right now. I think number one, they're just a little unsure of what's happening. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty. I've Mitch McConnell got um, just ripped into in his debate in, in um, he is uh, with, my gosh, that was like the worst debate performance I've ever seen. I, that was that was bad. It was either so, that couple... or he's like a truly like maniacal individual. The whole like laughing, the laugh is creepy and it's so inappropriate. It's like I can understand he's like nervous laughing because he's getting ready to defend himself. But it's like whew, in yeah, terms of sound clips. But... <laughs> yeah, well, but I think the 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 GOPs they're they're pretty much set. They know who they're. I mean, they're going to vote for President Trump. I think they're trying to figure out their their um, state and their um, federal or uh, congressmen and senators. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that those are some races that I think are getting overlooked right now. I, I, there are some big time players that are up for election right now, and it is not as much of a runaway election as it usually is for them. So I think mm-hmm. they're really concerned on that. But I think there's some some. Uh, I don't want to say undecided GOP members. I, I want to, or, or uh, Republicans that haven't voted yet. I think there's some people that are waiting to see, quite honestly, if Trump can get his act together. No, I agree fully with you. I think there's a lot of people holding out and um, to see if it will even be worthwhile, you know, to, um, like you said, it's not necessarily undecided, but people that aren't, diehard party affiliates you know where they might so well i'm going to touch on that one in just a second okay i was going to say where you might have the idea of you know you you have conservative values but you want to see if you know your vote for trump it will actually mean anything if he can you know actually come together and lead in this final stretch when unfortunately there's just been a lot of floundering you know it's getting difficult for them to make a coherent message and here recently, I've talked to several uh, people, and, and I don't go around just getting into political conversations and everything, but I've talked to several mm-hmm. people that have, have made the comment, and I know they're diehard Republicans. I, uh, one of them is uh, a member of the Republican Party in our, our local chapter and, and goes to all the meetings and everything. Yeah. But his comment to me really kind of kind of resonated. He said, man, he goes, I absolutely 100% believe in the Republican values and I will vote for the Republican values. He goes, but as a father and as a husband, I cannot vote for that man. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that all of the lying or, or su- supposed lying, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. all of the theatrics, all of the misinformation, all of the just blatant um, uh, aggressiveness and, and I, I think just his overall behavior has worn a lot of his supporters out. Now, it is absolutely um, enraged some of his, and I'm using enraged as purposely, it has enraged some of his supporters. And I think it's things where he purposely tweets out, liberate Michigan. Yeah. 
liberate Virginia. And there was one other other one that he did. And then all of a sudden there's kidnapping plots on the governors in those those states. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. But I, think I don't think his, he could have ever overall behavior. I think there is a side that he does know what he's doing, but I think he continually doesn't understand the impact of his words. You know, we've seen it time and time again. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think when Trump was going on his uh, the Twitter bender saying liberate this state and that's it i don't think in his mind he could have ever thought like this is gonna inspire white supremacists to try to kidnap governors no but you know you then have to pause exactly but it did and it's like that's what my continual issue is with trump is people are saying well if you can only complain about you know how he talks and the language he uses and it's like well it's kind of a full stop you know it's like that's that's the issue is he's the president so even if he doesn't mean what he's saying or if he means it in a different way, people are going to listen to it, you know, regardless of what well, his interpretation is. Here's the, here's the problem that you run into that you and I are in marketing mm-hmm. and you and I know exactly how important words are. Yeah. And you use certain words in conjunction with other words to infer mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. deliver a message and you stay away from other words. Absolutely. And, um, you know, how many times when we're doing marketing pieces, do we write and rewrite and rewrite and wordsmith things to make sure that it gets down to exactly what we want it to, to infer and, and how we want it used and those things. He has the best speech writers available to him. Yeah. He has the best PR people available to him. Nobody's con- nobody is controlling it. Nobody is getting in there and, and, and saying, Hey, this is, you don't need to say that because this is what it could imply. Yeah. And, and I think that's where part of his presidential or leadership um, style conflicts with a national heartbeat um, is because he doesn't, he doesn't think about those things. He just runs, runs after it. But so here, here's my point with that though. I think you have a lot of Republicans that are just holding tight to see if maybe I don't want to say that it's the the drugs that he's on, like the the COVID treatments and everything else that kind of made him go off his rocker there for a little bit. But I think everybody, I mean everybody, in, including Fox News, which is basically his own personal news station, was saying the same thing. The, these <laughs> this can't be happening, and. To the point where we even had Congress go in and start drafting Article 25, right? Yep. The, uh, yeah, to remove the president from office for mental unfitness. Yep. So uh, my concern is that you got a lot of these these Republicans that are just sitting tight to, to see if he's going to mellow out a little bit or, yeah. or get under control. Um, and that then they're going to make a big late push. But if if your numbers on the Democrat side don't continuously stay strong, that late push could push the, the Democrats right back yeah. out of the office again. Now, here's the group that I think everybody is underestimating. And, and uh, you and I have not talked about this one, cool. so I may catch you off guard here. I think I think the group that everybody is underestimating is the independent. And when you say underestimating, what are you thinking? I'm thinking they don't really know where they're going to fall yet or, and, and I don't mean undecided. I mean, like for me and in, in, in particular, I, there are aspects of the, the Democrat side 
that I believe in wholeheartedly. There are aspects of the Republican side that yep. I believe in wholeheartedly. And that, therefore, that puts me more in the middle. And as an independent, I'm just sick. And I'm still a registered Republican, but I've recently found myself mm-hmm. to be an independent. But I'm just so sick and tired of, of the bickering and the fighting and the nothing getting accomplished and nothing getting done that I'm still just a little confused. Like, who do I vote for? And I know who I'm voting yeah. for on president and, and everything else, but the state and the, the local and the federal um, positions that we're voting for are just as important as, as the presidential one in, in, in certain, certain areas. But there, wh- where does the lying stop? Where does the posturing stop? Where does the actual facts come in? Where can I find those actual facts? What is fake news? What's not? Mm-hmm. Who do I listen to? Um, it, and really, the, I think the independents get to a point where they're just kind of fed up with the whole thing. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm out. I'm done. And but I think in this particular race, I think they're not going to do that. I think they're going to pick a side and they're going to going to go wholeheartedly on on one side or they may go kind of like what I used to do in, in high school when I didn't study for a test, A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, all the way down the mm-hmm. little scantron. And I think they, they may do the same thing. They may vote equally for Republicans and Democrats just to try to find some type of balance because as an independent, you know, you, you're, you're a little bit more free willing to, to vote as you see fit versus yep, party lines. I agree. And, and there's, there's nobody really controlling you. I mean, you, you look at the, in my opinion, you look at these, these uh, politicians, they're not able to do that. They're controlled by the, yep. the parties and the people that run the parties. So I think what you're going to see here pretty quick is, is the independents come out, but I don't, I, I think the the best time to get a gauge on that's going to be this early voting. I do period. too, and it is it's very curious um, to kind of see how things sway as early voting continues. But um, you know, Trump still does have a pathway to victory. Um, like you said, people are Absolutely. you know underestimating the independents, and I think a lot of people are also underestimating that the um, the white, not college educated, over thirty um, voting block has increased in registration 10% from 2016 to 2020, which that is Trump's core base. So there was, you know, a very large uptick in voter registration. And while we can't say for sure that everybody that falls in that demographic will vote for Trump, you know, there's there's a litany of tradespeople and people who didn't go through a college program that um, are Democrat and, you know, liberal leaning as well. So it can't all be put into Trump's basket. But, you know, if there's just one thing we know time and time again is no matter how good the polling is, there can always be some sort of confounding variable that people aren't looking into. And this will ultimately become probably much closer than most places are um, reporting right now. So that's that's going to be the main issue is if the Democratic Party cannot do um, cannot stop resting on laurels and continue this push as hard as they possibly can right through election night. Yeah, it, it could be a, a shocker for a lot of people, but I think 
if uh, if anybody's out there who's thinking Trump is absolutely dead in the water, they might be, you know, in for a very brutal surprise. Yeah. So basically, we've spent the last 31 minutes and 36 seconds getting around to you got to go out and do your early voting or, or make your plans to vote because it, it's still up in the air and it's anybody's exactly game right now. Exactly. It is. Um, it is interesting. You know, there's a lot of stories coming out on both sides um, where Trump's attempting to create the October surprise this year with the new Hunter Biden story that was released by the New York Post. Um, and it is, you know, I think it has a lot of similarities. I was say, it has it? a disturbing amount of similarities to exactly what happened in 2016. But now the social media platforms, which they're getting a lot of blowback for censoring that uh, that article, but why they're doing so is because one of the main people who sourced the information for Rudy Giuliani to break this story is a known Russian asset. So regardless of you know interference, and we don't need to dive down in speculation there just to kind of keep it at the top level – Social media companies are scared of showing their uh, showing their butts again like they did in 2016 by allowing clear different disinformation campaigns from foreign agents to influence the election. So it is, uh, you know, he I think the administration was hoping that that report would be a bombshell when in reality it is it fizzled out in less than six hours. And uh, I don't think it sowed any doubt in anybody's case because it is weird. You know, they seem to really be harping on Hunter Biden when he's not the one running for president. Right. Like what is uh, that was going to be my next question is, um, you know, Hunter Biden is going to have what impact on how Joe Biden operates the White House? I mean, obviously, you're looking at did he, are, are they lying about the. Co- cohesion or co- uh, collusion talk anymore uh, are they lying about about the collusion are they lying about you know yeah. it's going to show morals at the same time you know some of it you you look at it and you go uh, you know that that really we all have skeletons yeah. in our closet number one but number two you know, it's also a, a indication or, or to me, it's an indication of Joe Biden being a father. You know, you have a, you have a son that's going through a lot and you're trying to mm-hmm. help him. And, you know, when you're a father, you'll you'll stop Absolutely. to help them. Now, that is that is a concern as well as because you're kind of going, well, wait a second, you have to demonstrate restraint and you can't use your leverage or or power to influence or persuade foreign entities and and whatnot and and are you in the pocket of any of those that's i think that's what they're they're trying to get at but i when i look at it i look at it as as and i don't know all the details i haven't i haven't really jumped Mm -hmm. down into to that one um but you know also, if you look, if you go off of Twitter today, um, there's a lot of questions yeah, about the Trump yeah. boys. You know, I mean, so if you want to start throwing throwing kids into to the fire, then uh, you you got to be ready to. I serve was going to say it seems well. very throwing rocks in a glass house to try to position the Bidens as, uh, you know, 
trying to create nepotism when what we're seeing in the current administration is, well, there's a lot of stuff happening at the exact same time. So in terms of big surprises that are going to influence, you know, the outcome of the election, I think what we've seen um, after this week with the release of, you know, what was uh, reported to be a bombshell is I don't think anybody's really going to be swayed by any of these last minute like reports and stuff. It is, uh, it's going to be close. Well, and I, I, I think a lot of people are getting tired of his bombshells yep. fizzling out just like the, the whole Obama administration spied on me. I know. Uh, yeah. Just the fact that out. that only resulted in one, uh, I think it was a misdemeanor in charge on a low level FBI employee when the president has been claiming it was, uh, president Obama and vice president Biden who were leading that charge. Um, it's embarrassing, you know, that's, that's really putting your foot in your mouth. And, yeah. uh, I do not think it is a coincidence that that the news that that failed as an investigation lined up exactly the moment when the uh, Hunter Biden story was released by the New York Post. So it's clear. Yeah. Well, and I'm kind of I'm a little surprised that that Trump's still going after Hunter after he got so much blowback from um, the, the the debate. And, and I think he just kind of I debate. think the campaign at this point has made their bed and they have to lie in it. They they jumped down two narratives very early yeah. on, which was Joe Biden's unfit, mentally unfit for office and that his son has illegal business dealings. And no matter, you know, how many times that's disproved and people basically are demonstrating they really don't care um, about these investigations since they are continually being fruitless, they don't it's too late to kind of pivot and try to create a new strategy because, you know, very early on they decided that their focus was going to be attacking the other side and not talking about how they were going to improve. And it, you know, they are kind of forced to keep that rhetoric up because if they just changed positions and started to be positive or started to talk about themselves two weeks before the election, it just isn't enough time for anybody for it to come off as authentic. Yeah. Right. Right. Sounds mm-hmm. sounds about right. So, well, um, kind of wrapping it up, I, I think what what we're getting at is uh, it's too early to buy into all the hype about Absolutely. the voting and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, still make sure that you take the time to to do your research and, and know who you're going to vote for and, and feel good about who you're going to vote for. I mean, you don't have to feel you don't have to feel like you had to vote for somebody. You should be able to to look at it and, and say, um, you know, I, I voted. Exactly. I agree fully is take pride in your ballot, whether it's for Joe uh, Biden, Trump, uh, Hallie Hawkins or uh, Joe Jorgensen. You know, it's, yep. it's cast your ballot for the candidate that you do truly believe in um, wholeheartedly and, you know, have faith in the democratic system. That, that's all we can do at this point. We're Absolutely. two weeks away from a result. Just make sure that you have an impact yep. on it. So, all right. Well, again, it doesn't matter if you're in the left or the right. It is time for us to start leaning to the middle. Yes. And we look forward to exploring all of that common ground with you next episode. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate and review us on um, all the different platforms. Hit subscribe. Uh, give the podcast a share. We would love to get more feedback from uh, anybody in your life that you feel would enjoy our conversations. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.